Generosity leads to prosperity. The greatest example of generosity we know is Christ. And we are called to model after him. Is that not true? Generosity pleases God. And generosity will be rewarded because God rewards the generous soul. So we're going to talk about those four points. Generosity leads to prosperity. He is the greatest example of generosity. We are to model after him. Generosity pleases God. And the fourth one, that God rewards a generous soul. How many of you guys believe the word of God to be true? How many of you guys believe that God is, his word is never failing? How many of you say, you know, I could, I could, I could walk in more generosity, which leads to prosperity, if I just train myself to think right? Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. As Phil is praying in the back. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand your word. Help us to have the right heart's motive. Help us to have the motive that, Lord, if you said in your word that generosity leads to prosperity, but yet we want to have a heart that prospers with the right motive, not just so that we can walk in greed. So give us the right heart to receive the prosperity as you cause us to be generous. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So a generous soul will prosper, but stinginess leads to poverty. I want you to turn your Bibles to Proverbs 11.24. It's a powerful scripture. Proverbs 11.24. I am going to read it to you in a few different versions. I'm going to first start out. I'm going to read it to you in the New King James. And this is what it says in the New King James, Proverbs 11.24. It says, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Wait a minute. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. That means gives. Yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Let me read it to you in the NIV. This will help some of you. Say, this is going to help me. (laughs) One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Wow, right? Is that clear? Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. Give freely and become wealthier. Be stingy and lose everything. Wow. Give freely and become wealthier. Be stingy and lose everything. Wow. Let's go back to the New King James. That's my preferred version, but it's good sometimes to look at some other versions because it helps to identify and helps, you know, with different wording. So Proverbs eleven twenty four. but in the New King James, there is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. So that's not going to be me in the name of Jesus. You know, the very next verse, verse 25, Proverbs 11, 25, I'm going to read that one to you. A generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will 
also be watered himself. A generous soul. In the NIV, it says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. We just read in this verse how clear it is how generosity leads to prosperity. We just read in this verse, in a few different versions, but in this one, two verses, Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25, how God says in his word that if you give, and we're going to define giving in a moment, but when you give, you increase. But when you hold back what is right, in other words, stinginess, that that leads to poverty. And that when you are generous, God says he is literally going to cause you to be refreshed. He's going to refresh you, right? A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed, right? So we are called to be generous and we are called to receive the blessing that, it come, that comes with it and from it. Uh, Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure. When we give, it's going to be given back. A good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be put into your bosom. Means your lap. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I'm going to read that same scripture, Luke 6.38, but in the New Living. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Come on, to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. And then it says the amount that you give will be determined, will determine the amount you get back. The amount that you give will determine the amount you get back. Some people would, you know, when you, if you hadn't just already read that from the word and someone just told you that, you might confuse this with, oh, they just want money. Oh, they just want an increase. They just want more. This is a prosperity mentality. Well, God wants you to prosper. Hello. He does want you to prosper. He doesn't want you to walk in poverty. So if that's news for some of you, well, then you just received, you just received the biblical information to cause you to prosper. It's biblical. It's biblical for you to give. It's biblical for you to receive. And it's biblical for you to prosper. But always with the right heart. Never, ever get that confused. So let's define generosity here for a moment. Now that I've given you scriptures and I've told you, and it's proven through the word, how when you are generous, it leads to prosperity. But let's define generosity. Generosity is the quality of being kind and generous. It's a quality. You're generous. You're kind and you're generous, right? You give. It's a readiness to give more. You're ready to give more. More of, more of money. Yes, it includes money. More of time. Yes, it includes time. More of talents. So it's not just money, but it includes money. Giving more than is expected or more than is necessary. It's giving more than is necessary or what you deemed necessary. A generous person has learned the art of living large in Christ. You can't put that person down. A generous person 
has learned the art of living large in Christ. Isn't that a good definition? I was like, Lord, that is so good. I love that. I love that because it's an art, an art of being generous. We learn how to cultivate a heart of generosity. And when we learn to cultivate a heart of generosity, God says, oh, I see their heart. I see their heart is pure. I see their heart is so generous even when no one is looking, even when no one knows about it, even when they're not given the attaboys, right? Even when they're not given public attention, but yet they see, God, you know it all. You see it. You approve. Thank you, Lord, because you approve because you see it. Isn't that beautiful? That is powerful and it's beautiful. Thank you, Lord. So our greatest example of generosity is our Lord, our maker, right? Generosity is evidenced all around us. We just have to look at nature. We just have to look at nature. We just have to look at the stars. We just have to go and look at the ocean. Have you ever stopped and just gone and looked at the ocean and you see how generous God is? How generous is he? My goodness, how creative is he? My goodness, there are, there are no limits. He has no, he didn't put limits. Just continues and continues and continues. Our minds stop, we can't see, but God continues in his creativity. It's incredible. Is that not true? It's beautiful. Above all, God demonstrated his generosity when he offered his son. So we can see generosity in creation. We can see generosity in everything that God created, right? Here physically on earth. But the greatest, the greatest act of generosity that God did was when he sent forth his son, Jesus. When he sent forth Jesus, his son, to atone for our sin. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God. Lord, we thank you. That's 2 Corinthians 9.15, this scripture that I just read to you. The gift, oh, which is Jesus, is too wonderful for words. That's what that means. But thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's indescribable. That means it's, he's too wonderful for words. Don't ever lose sight of the indescribable gift of Jesus that we have. It's, he's too wonderful for words. Have you met him? I mean, really met him. Do you walk with him? I mean, really walk with him. Because he's too wonderful for words. He puts a smile on your face in the most horrific times, yet you have a joy that will not be put out. Amen. The most difficult times, yet because you have met your maker and you realize how wonderful he is, too wonderful for words, that he is your peace in the midst of the storm. 
that he is your shout of hallelujah when you are waiting and believing for something and it's been years. But you don't quit. You don't quit because God never quits on you, does he? He doesn't quit on you. He has never quit on you. Never. And he never will. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He will never quit on you. He's generous. God created. He's generous. God gave. He's generous. And he's our example. So the gift of Jesus to mankind was the ultimate act of generosity. Would we all agree? It was the ultimate act of generosity. And when you are generous, you are resembling your Savior's heart. You're resembling his heart. Hallelujah. That's what we want, right? We want to resemble his heart constantly. So generosity pleases God for it models after our maker. When we are generous, it pleases him. Let's look at a story in the Old Testament whose faithful generosity pleased God and resulted in a plentiful harvest for herself and her son. It's found in 1 Kings. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. How many of you love the Bible? And we love to open it and we love to gaze at the words in this book. So, 1 Kings 17, I'm going to start reading here in a moment at verse 7. But this poor widowed woman, her act of obedience made way for provision for her household. And the oil and the, and the flour never ran out until the Lord sent rain. So, in verse 7, are we all there, 1 Kings 17? Yes. Okay, verse 7. And it happened after a while that the, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. And so Elijah, he gets up. And he goes to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there, and she was gathering sticks. And he called to her, and he said, please, and he said, please, bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her, and he said, please, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So first he says, give me some water. But then he says, I want you to bring me some bread. And so she says, as the Lord your God lives, I do not, he says, I do not have bread, she says, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and for my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake first. And bring it to me, or the God of Israel. That the Lord sends rain on the earth. You need to be able to identify when there is a prophetic word that's being spoken. And you need to grab hold of the prophetic word. This was a prophetic word that this man of God, this prophet spoke. 
Verse 14, I want to read it again. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain on the earth. You're going to have what you need. This is never going to run out until God provides another way. That's basically what he said. Verse 15, she went away and she did. She went away and she obeyed. She went away and she did according to the word of Elijah. And she, and it says, and she and he and her household ate for many days. God was faithful. There's just a little bit of oil. There's just a little bit of flour. But at the word of the Lord, it never ran out. The flour was not used up. The oil did not run dry. The bin of flour, verse 16, was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry. According to the word of the Lord, which he spoke, right? Elijah spoke this word, right? So this, this widow woman, her act of obedience is what caused the increase, the act of obeying God causes our increase for more. God has called you to do something. When you act on that something, you can believe God is going to come through with that more. But the act of obedience comes first. Is that not true? Elijah instructed the poor widow to give him the last of her food. You know, church, he was demonstrating a kingdom dynamics here. She didn't have very much. It'd be one thing if it was just her that she needed to take care of. But it wasn't just her. It was her and her son. And if those that have children know, like you will do without, you will do without if it's just about you. But when it comes to your children, that's a whole nother story. That's harder to see them suffer. It's harder to know that you have the ability to help but not do it. That would be harder. Is that not true? Those that have children know what I'm talking about. Your heart aches for them. But obedience to God must be our first and most important place of action. Obedience to God. Even though it may hurt. Even though it looks fearful and it's scary at times, to trust God fully is our calling. People always talk about their callings. How about your calling is first to trust, to trust him fully without compromise and to walk in that beautiful, beautiful word called obedience and submission. Yeah, that is the gist of it. So he, he, he says to her, give me the last, and she gives him the last, and this is a demonstrating God's kingdom dynamics. Put God first. Will you put God first? Are you putting God first? We have to put God first in everything, in our giving, in our time, and in our devotion. Put God first in your giving, in your time, and in your devotion unto him. And he will add. He will multiply back to you. 
We believe this, correct? We believe this? Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added back unto you. Let's read that again. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But seek first. Not seek second or third. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God every day. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Make sure your actions are lining up with the righteousness of God, of whom you have been called to model your life after. This is who we are called to be like, the righteousness of God. We already know that he, he promises us in his word. He, he provides all of our needs. He's the faithful provider. But we also know that he's also generous and wants to give us more than we even ask for in Ephesians 3.20. But he says, put first, put me first in Matthew 6.33. And not just for a little while, but all the time, every day. Put God first in your, in your thoughts. Put God first in your actions. Put God first in everything. Put him first. And as we put God first, and as we say, Lord God, yes, I seek you. I seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Everything else is going to be added unto me because your word promises that. So I'm not going to be focused on the everything else part. I'm going to be focused on I'm going to put God first. Well, what does putting God first look like? It means obeying his word with the right attitude. It means obeying his word when you don't maybe feel like it, when your emotions are telling you something different. It means honoring him. It means worshiping him from a pure heart. It means giving him your all. It means reading your Bible when you don't feel like it. We don't walk by our feelings. Amen. We are to walk by faith. Amen. That's the only way it pleases God is when we walk by faith. So if this is convicting some of you, then praise God. Because the only time we change really is when we feel convicted. Conviction is a good thing. It's not a bad word. It's a great word. If it causes you to change, turn from any wicked ways and look to your, to your maker and say, my goodness, Lord, you've created me. You've created this world. You said I'm to worship you and I'm to give my everything, Amen. my whole heart. Amen. Who am I to think that I can withhold? Withhold my worship, withhold my love, withhold my obedience, withhold. Who am I? Who are you? No, no more, no more. God is looking for a church that is truly on fire and not just a raw, raw, raw when somebody is coaxing you to try to get into a flow of worship, but a heart that says, I live on fire, and it's my secret place with him that causes that fire to stir on the inside of me and to increase within me. And from that position, generosity flows. And from generosity, prosperity comes because God's word promises it. I mean, this 
widowed woman in, in 1 Kings 17, you think about, she didn't have a husband, church. She didn't have a man to go and to bring home provision for her. She had to trust that the Lord was going to be faithful. We too must trust that the Lord is going to be faithful. Amen. And he is. Amen. He is faithful. Amen. He won't deny who he is. And he's not going to deny you. He is faithful, church. In every way, he's faithful. Amen. Philippians 4.19. And my God, say it with me, shall supply. All my needs, make it personal, all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all my needs. Say it over yourself right now. My God shall supply all my needs. My God shall supply all my needs. Thank you, Lord Jesus. According to his riches, according to his riches, not according to his lack because he doesn't have lack. It's not according to his lack. God doesn't have lack. There's no lack in the kingdom. It's not according to his lack. It's according to his what? His riches. He's going to supply. He's the faithful supplier. And he's going to supply all your, all your needs according to his riches. Hallelujah. One second. Phil, do you mind helping Pastor Melissa in the kids' room for a little bit? Thank you so much. Hallelujah. So, and, and, and it, we come here to our, my last point, and that is God rewards the generous soul. And I want to read to you from Colossians 3. You can turn there. Turn to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 and 24. Colossians 3, 23, 24 says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. Whatever you do, wait, when I'm just at church? No, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord, not from your neighbor, not from your husband or your wife, but from the Lord, you will receive a reward, the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord your God. Who is the reward received from? But the Lord. You will receive. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. When you do an act of kindness, when you give, when you serve, do it unto the Lord. Yes, do it fully unto the Lord. Don't do it unto men. Don't do it unto men. Some people do it unto men and they lose their reward. Little hint. If you're doing your acts so that someone can see, you've lost your reward. If you're giving so that others would notice and you make it known, you just lost your reward. If you're trying, if you're helping some ministry, let me just tell you, is service. People go, I want to be a minister. I want to preach. Well, that's the last thing you get to do in ministry. Do you know how much goes on behind the scenes? And it's serving. 
serve means you get to be the bottom of the bottom. You get to serve Amen. with your whole heart. And you get to do so unto the Lord. You are all called to minister. You are all ministers of reconciliation. The Bible says so. And as we are ministers of reconciliation, we get to serve. Serve well. Serve well because your king is watching. Serve well. Because the Lord sees. Serve well. So again, Colossians 3.23. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward. That should bring you comfort. That who are you going to receive from? But the Lord. He is the one that is faithful. He is the one that has the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the one that will never leave you nor forsake you. You will receive from him. Now God will use people to give unto you. But it comes from the Lord. Just like your provider is not a person. It is the Lord. It is not your spouse. God will use your spouse, of course. He's not your provider. She's not your provider. It is the Lord that is your provider. Your parents are not your providers. It is the Lord that is your provider. But God will use situations, work through situations, of course. But all credit and all glory goes to him. Amen. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder. Say, God is a rewarder to me because I diligently seek him. We have to learn to take these verses and put them in first person, put our names into them, and, and apply these verses to ourselves. It's time to grow up, church. It's time to grow up, mature in Christ. We have to be mature, right? No longer waiting, waiting, waiting. What can I get out of this? What will the Lord do for me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you doing for him? How are you serving him? How are, where are you sacrificing for him? Oh, my goodness. I, I don't care what you watch on YouTube. I don't care what your friends tell you. They're going, they're doing this and they're doing that at their church. If the bride is, is not holy and it's spotted, it doesn't please God. God is looking for a holy bride, one that is spotless. He's not looking for some entertainment club. He's looking for purity and obedience. And that pleases him. And he says, when you walk that way, I will pour out my blessing so much, you won't even be able to contain it. Amen. You won't even be able to contain it. Amen. Now, is that something that we should be able to test God with? Yes. Absolutely. That's pretty big. You won't even be able to contain it? You won't. That's pretty big. That, talk about overflow. Talk about more than enough. Hallelujah. So unlawful withholding leads to what? 
poverty, unlawful. In other words, there's an amount, there's a, there's a, and it's in time, it's in talent, and it's in treasure. All three, right? And unlawful withholding leads to poverty, but generosity leads to what? Prosperity. Let's try that again since one person at the front row said it. Generosity leads to? That's not a bad word. We're going to try it again because your confidence needs to build. Generosity leads to? Say it again. Generosity leads to? Do you believe the word of God? All of it? Are you sure? Okay, so then generosity truly leads to prosperity. We just defined this. We just looked at scripture. So in any area that you go, I'm not prospering in this area. Lord, where can I be more generous? How can I be more generous? In what way can I be more generous? Am I to give more of my time, talent, and treasure? Because your word promises that if I'm generous, I will also walk in prosperity. We've already defined that your heart needs to also be right. And I think that goes without saying, but because I am in this position, I do state the obvious because there might be one or two that doesn't know. And I would not want their blood on my hands. Praise you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that your word teaches us Your word instructs us. Lord, I thank you that your word heals us. I thank you that your word completes us. We are filled with the knowledge of Christ. Thank you for your word, Lord God, that we can walk in the fullness of Christ because of it, Lord. Thank you for your generous heart. Thank you that you truly are generous. You forgive us. Even times we don't even ask for forgiveness. But yet you still forgive us. That's generosity. You pay attention. Your eyes are always on us. Even when we are not always focused on you. We're not always thinking about you. You're always thinking about us. That's generosity. You're generous. Thank you, Lord. You give us wisdom to answers and problems that we have. Even when we don't even ask, you give us wisdom That's generosity. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your incredible love. We bless you.